Well, the question a lot of people raise is this, are people good or bad? The other day, it's, it's been about a couple of years ago, when I was watching one of those talk shows, and they had five people on there, and they were asking the question about thinking and how people think and all this. And all of them said, well, people are basically good on the inside. We just need to, to think right, and the good will come out. And in fact, one person said, what we need to do is really unlock our inner person. Well, we know, uh, what does Jeremiah say? The heart is wicked and is deceitful. Uh, they said we need to unlock our, our good person. Uh, and then they brought the issue of people doing wrong. And people said, well, then how do we explain people doing wrong? And they said, well, people are deprived. It's a bad environment. They're affected. If we could just correct man's environment, man would always be good. The problem with this type of thinking is that uh, it's actually the opposite of what the Word of God teaches. The problem is it's wrong, and it's, it's the opposite. Man is not good. He's bad. See, all we like sheep have gone astray to our own way. The heart inside, the heart is desperately wicked. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's not one that's, that even comes after God. So the truth is this. Man, go to the next slide if you want to. The, um, there. Man is not deprived. He's depraved. We're fallen. We're sinful. I only hope we have as human beings is Jesus Christ. He came to the earth. He died on the cross. He paid for sin by faith in him. We are new creations in Christ. We're changed from the inside out. This evening, we're going to continue to look at the life of Jacob. And we're going to see events at a place called Shechem. Shechem was a city named after a man named Shechem. And it's clearly the sinfulness of man. There is, listen to this, there's rape, lying, murder, stealing, and slavery all in one section. All in this chapter. And as we, the battle never covers over sin. It never covers over what happens. Uh, it never covers over the actions of those who are recorded in the Scripture. So as we continue, in a sense, it's a sad time. Remember last time it was a great event, the reconciliation of Jacob and Esau, and the twin brothers were brought back together after 20 years. And you could say, this is great. And Jacob came in humility by faith, and Esau forgave him, and it was on the basis of grace. But as you get into this passage, it's pretty horrible, the sin at Shechem. Let me break down the passage for you. First of all, 18 through 20, as Jacob comes and he settles in Shechem, and he's there to worship. It looks good, but then we see Shechem's sin because the rapes of Dinah and the plan. He has a plan. Then we see deceit and death. There's death and destruction. And then at the very end, you might say there's the loss of testimony. And uh, we'll see how it fits together. I mean, this, this a, it's, a, it's a powerful passage. In fact, when we get through with chapter 34 and go into chapter 35, we see they, got, they have to make a change. They have to make a change as... Jacob's whole household has to make a change because of what has happened. So there's a lot there. Well, as we see, we see Jacob after he splits from Esau. And let me give you a brief review. Esau is on the way to Seir, but Jacob goes to Shechem. Look at chapter uh, 33, verse 18. Now, Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Padadaram, and he camped before the city. You know, if he went to Seir, now we talked about, remember that it was Jacob and Esau, and Esau said, uh, you know, we'll go together and we'll go to Seir. And Jacob said, no, 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 you, you better go on. I've got to, got to go real slow because I've got all the animals and the children. And so then Esau said, well, let me let some of my men stay with you. And Jacob said, no, 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 don't worry about that. Uh, I'll follow you. I'll be there. Well, Esau takes off to go to Seir. Jacob never goes that way. He goes the, he goes the other direction. And we said we could give Jacob the benefit of the doubt that God told Jacob to go back to the promised land, and Seir was not the promised land, so let's give Jacob the benefit of the doubt. But somehow, once again, he still is is not where he ought to be yet. He's still sort of deceitful there. So he ends up going to the city of Shechem. Now, you know where he should have gone? Anybody remember where he should have gone when he came back to the land? Do you remember the place? When he left, he left 20 years early, he left the city 
And he and he is there. That's where he had that dream about the angels descending and descending from heaven. And God told him. And he named that city something that night. Do you remember what he called it? Anybody remember? It's Bethel, house of God. That's where he's supposed to go back to. And that he said, you will return here later. He's supposed to have gone back to Bethel, but he doesn't go to Bethel. Where does he go? Shechem. And so Jacob safely came to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Padad Aram, and camped before the city. So he's now in Shechem. And uh, he should have gone back to Bethel. Bethel means house of God. Watch what happens. He bought the piece of land where he had pitched his tent from the hand of the sons of Hamer, Shechem's father, for 100 pieces of money. Now, if you remember when Abraham lived in the land, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the only land Abraham ever owned was he bought the place to bury his family. That's all he ever had. And and now here is Jacob buying some land. He bought it from Hamar. Uh, actually bought it from the hands of the, the sons of Hamar, which is Shechem's father, and, and uh, for a 100 pieces of money. It doesn't tell us money. It doesn't say 100 pieces of silver. We don't know what it is. We can't tell whether it was expensive or not expensive. My guess is that it was expensive because they saw a deal. Yeah, here, let's charge this. But he appears to be settling down. But where should he have gone? Bethel. He shouldn't have gone to Shechem. But look what he does. He then erected there an altar and called it El Elohe Israel, which means God, the God of Israel. He, he did a place of worship, and we say, oh, this is great. This is great. He remembers God's provision and protection. Only problem is it's in the wrong city. But he has done this. And we go, okay, well, okay, benefit of doubt. He goes to Shechem. He thinks it would be a good place. He buys a little plot of land there. He puts up an altar, and he's worshiping God. Everything looks good. And so this is called God, the God of Israel. We'd say it this way, the God of Israel is God. That's another way it could be translated. The God of Israel is God. And and so this is the idea. He said, I put up an altar saying that God, God, my God, is the real God. Everything looks good. Reconciled to Esau. Back into the land. But what happens? A sad event. And I said that it's sometimes hard to study this passage because we'd like to say, why don't we just go on to chapter 35 instead of chapter 34? Because it might be easier. It might be easier for all of us. Because when you get to verse 25, 26, 27... 28 of this chapter, they're not going to be fun to read at all. In fact, they'll be horrible to read. And if you actually picture in your mind what is happening in those verses, you won't be happy. We'll say, how could people, how could they do this? How could these people do that? How could the the sons of Jacob, who really, these sons become the 12 what? The 12 tribes of Israel. I mean, how, how could this happen? And there's an old saying that we see all the time, that we talk about all the time, that it says if you put us in the wrong place at the wrong time, we're going to what? We're going to do the wrong thing, and every one of us in this room are capable of any sin, any sin. And if we were to say, no, I'm not, I'm not capable of any sin, yes, you are. And if you don't think you are, you've just opened the door to allow yourself to put yourself in a situation that you might fail in. You, you never say, I would never do that. You don't know what you'd do. You're capable. I'm capable. We're capable of any sin. So look what happens. Chapter 34, verse 1. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to visit the daughters of the land. That's a little bit strange, but, you know, she had six sons and one daughter by Jacob. And she went out to visit the daughters of the land. Now the only thing you can figure is, how many daughters, how many sisters does she have? 
Zero. She got twelve brothers, right? That's just a great life for her. Yeah. You know, I got twelve brothers and they get all they get everything. I get nothing. They're always called the twelve tribes of Israel. I'm nothing. I get nothing. It could be that she wanted some companionship with other girls, but you gotta remember this that it's not twelve sons and one woman and Jacob. It's not that. There there's a huge group of people with him. He's got all these people. I mean, he's rich. He's got all these animals and people and families and everything. But what seems to be that what she decides to do is to go visit the women of the land, to go visit these people, to go maybe into Shechem, to see the city, to see the people. And we're not saying that she did wrong, but she may have taken a chance because we don't know much about these people, right? What did God tell them? I mean, he told them what? That you are my people. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They're not to intermarry with these people. They're, they're, they're a whole unique group. They're, they're the people of God. So look what happens. When Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he took her and lay with her by force. Now, we need to talk about Shechem. Shechem is, he is, let me Put it up there. Shechem is an important man. The, tam- the town is named after him. Now, there's a man named Ham- this, Here's what you got to picture. There's a man named Hamor. He's rich, wealthy, controls the whole area. He's got sons. His most important son is Shechem, probably his oldest son. Shechem is so important, he's called the prince of the land. And he's got his own city. And his own city is named after him. Can you picture that? You move into a city, we're going to call this bond. We're just going to call it Bond because it's named after me. I mean, that's what he does. He names it after himself. And so he's got this city. And uh, we're going to see as you look through this man that I think he thinks he is the prince of the land. And that he is the, the king of the land. And that he is an important man because the city is named after him. And he can do pretty much whatever he wants to do you know that's what happens sometimes when people begin to get power they want this absolute power they begin to say that i've got this position and i can do pretty much what i want to do we've seen people who get political offices and they begin to do things and they say listen i you know i'm the i'm the one here i'm in charge here i do what i want to do we see people in companies who who get up to high positions and they say i do what i want to do it's my company i do what i you know and so here's shechem and he he owns the town that's his town it's and he does pretty much what he wants to do so what does he do he saw dinah he took her and he lay with her by force that's that's really a nice way of saying that he raped her the hebrew word by force is very strong it's the idea he grabbed and raped her and we think about destructiveness of sin because it affects so many. Look, this is not going to just affect Shechem or Dinah. That's not, that's not all it's going to affect. Before this passage is over, it's going to affect all of the family of Jacob and his sons, and it's going to affect an entire city. And one of the things we have to realize is that sin is never in a vacuum. It never just affects us. When you say, I know, I know that this may be wrong, but it doesn't matter because it's just between me and God. There's nothing ever just between you and God. It affects other people as well. Always does. Sin is never in a vacuum. I mentioned this in my Sunday school class. It will take you further than you planned. It will cost you more, and it's never what you think it is. It will always take you further, and it will always cost you more than you think it will. You think this is just a little thing? Well, Shechem did this, and then look what happened. His response. He was deeply attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the girl who spoke tenderly to her. He's deeply attracted. Maybe he was sorry. He maybe thought, oh, I think I did wrong. 
I'm sorry. I didn't really mean to hurt you. I'll tell you what, I'll make it up to you. I'll marry you. Well, that'll make it up, won't it? Uh, that'll make it up to those brothers. What do you think those brothers are going to think? Oh, yeah, oh, that'll make it up. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just marry her. That makes everything fine. Right? Isn't it funny how sometimes we think, oh, I, I can, I can, uh, I can stop the consequences of some things I've done. You know what? You can't stop the consequences of things you do. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. What a man sows, that shall he also what? Reap. You think you can do something and there won't be any consequences? Remember the people said, I'm going to sow my wild oats and hope for a crop failure. It's never a crop failure. It's never a crop failure, folks. Never is. Never is. So look what happened. So Shechem spoke to his father, Hamor, saying, get me this young girl for a wife. Now let me tell you something. You, you, you may have think that he raped her and then she went back home. She did not go back home. He kept her with him. She's with him. He didn't let her go. You can imagine that, first of all, Jacob is saying, where is Dinah? What, what, why didn't she come back home? He says, get me this woman. To, get me that girl for my wife. You can't tell it exactly right here, but she's with him. And he says to his dad, now, let me tell you, do you think that he's pretty much used to getting whatever he wants? I think he is. I think he said, hey, dad, get this woman for me. Because what he figures is this, his dad will go to her dad, and they'll make an agreement. Because in those that day and time, that's what you did. You had, a, you had either a matchmaker or an agreement. A father would talk to another father, and he'd say, I like your son. You like my daughter. We'll work this out. We'll pay somebody. How much will you pay? We'll work this out. A lot of the marriages and things were set up. He says, here's what I want you to do, Dad. I want you to go buy me this woman, basically. I want you to get me this woman for my wife. And we know that there's that there's a... The, the cost involved, you know, the the bridal thing and, and uh, the dowry, and, and he's paying whatever, whatever it costs. I want this woman. Look at verse 5. Now, Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter. But his sons were with his livestock in the field, so Jacob kept silent until they came in. Now, Jacob got the word back that, in fact, somebody may have come and said, I don't know how to tell you this, but this guy named Shechem, you know, raped Dinah, and he's got, he's got her there. He's got her there right now. And so Jacob decides that I'm not going to do anything yet because I'm going to wait till the boys get from the field. I'm not going to do anything. Some say, wonder why. wonder why he waited. Maybe he's trying to decide what to do. Maybe he's going to wait for the sons. Some people even say he didn't care. I don't think, he, I don't think the third one's right. I think he cared. I think he wants to wait for the boys, the, the sons, the brothers, to figure out what to do. You know, it's kind of it's true that... Uh, Brothers and sisters may not get along, but big brothers seem to want to protect their sister, you know. So look what happened. Verse 6. Then Hamer, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. Now, I want you to see something about this. Notice. Hamer comes with no remorse. You will not find anywhere in here where he says, I want to apologize. I want you to say my son made a bad mistake. I want you to know that he used poor judgment. We feel very sorry. We're very upset. We know we, we know that something has happened here that wasn't supposed to happen. And so we want to come to He never says not one thing about that. Not one thing. 
He doesn't come with remorse. He doesn't come with sorrow. There's no apology. Look what it says. Then Hamer the father of Shechem went out to Jacob to speak with him. Now the sons of Jacob came in from the field when they heard it. And the men were grieved and they were very angry because he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter for such a thing ought not be done. Just the writer Moses explains it and just says, wait, this is not supposed to ever happen. That's not supposed to happen. It's disgraceful. It's wrong. It's sinful. It's not to be spoken of. It's always wrong. Look at the effect of sin. There's Shechem and Dinah and Jacob and Hamer and all the brothers. It's already is affected by this thing. Already. And you could say, wait a minute, where's Dinah? She's not there. She's back. She's back. The boys may even feel, the brothers may even feel that she's a prisoner. And they may say, we're getting on the camels right now, and we're going over there, and we're getting her. We're taking her home right now. We're, getting, we're going to go get her. Notice verses 8 and 9. There is no word of apology. Hamer spoke with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him in marriage. Intermarry with us. Give us your daughters to us, and take our daughters for yourself. Where is there anything like, we're sorry, we messed up, he messed up, he shouldn't have done that, whoops, there's nothing, what, what is it? Uh, my son wants your daughter. In fact, why don't you just intermarry with us? If you're Jacob and the boys, what's your first thought about intermarrying with these people? You want to marry, intermarry with people you don't even trust, that's going to rape your sister and all this stuff, and we're not supposed to intermarry with them anyway, then I mean, what are we supposed to do about this? Give her to me in marriage. Intermarry. Remember when they came in the land, Abraham was not to intermarry with the Canaanites. And you remember when they started thinking about getting sons for Isaac and all that? He said, not from these people. Go back to my relatives. We're not going to intermarry with these people called the Canaanites. Cursed be to who? Remember the three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth? But there was a thing that was cursed be to... Canaan, the descendant of Ham, were going to be cursed. The Canaanites were the people that lived in this land. God already said all the way back to the time of Noah that the people group living in this land, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Zebusites, the, the electric lights, any of those people living in that land, right, they were going to be cursed. <laughs> Sorry, scrack that from the tape, please. Okay, anyway... <laughs> Think about it. These people are under a curse. When the nation of Israel came out of Egypt these years later, at the end of the book of, of Genesis and then the book of Exodus, and they come back into the promised land, who are they taking out when they come into the promised land? The Canaanites. And when somebody said, when the children of Israel in the land, he said, the iniquity of the Amorites, the Canaanites, is not yet full. There's going to be a time. They're not supposed to intermarry with these people. And look what he says. I got an idea. The soul of my son, Shechem, longs for your daughter. Give her to him in marriage. And then what I want you to do is intermarry with us and give us your daughters to us and our daughters for yourself and, and all of that. Uh, that's what the plan is. Live with us. Look what he says. Then you shall live with us and the land will be open before you. Live and trade in it and acquire property in it. Listen, I want you to understand something. That 
Hamar is not coming and saying, you guys just come and live with us and you can get land. Y'all can have a great time. Look down at verse 23. Look what his motive is. Will not their livestock and their property and all their animals be ours? Only let us consent to them and they will live with us. You know what the plan was? He's thinking if we get these people here, we'll take over their stuff. I'm not so sure I like Shechem or Hamer. What do you think? Right? That's their plan. Verse 11, watch Shechem. Shechem also said to her father and to her brothers, If I find favor in your sight, then I will give whatever you say to me. Ask me ever so much bridal payment and gift, and I will give according to as you say to me, but give me the girl in marriage. He says, I'll, I'll pay whatever it takes, the bridal payment, whatever. Uh, I, I'm try- he's sort of trying to get things right, but he's or- it's too late. He's saying, just tell me whatever you would offer. Sometimes we can, as I mentioned a while ago, sometimes we can think we can change the past or ignore the consequences. Sometimes it's too late. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. There are consequences. And, you know, um, I've told this story, but B.J. Thomas, do you all remember who that guy was? Raindrops and all that. He was great. But he got into drugs, and I remember listening to a story about him, and he said that he was taking as many as 50 to 60 pills, uppers, before he'd go out on a concert so he could get himself all pumped up. But then when he got through, he had to take 50 or 60 pills to calm himself back down. He became a Christian, and he said when he first became a Christian, he thought this will all just disappear because I've trusted in Christ as my Savior. Uh, this will all ha- go away. It didn't. He had to go through a lot of rehab to get out of that because he thought the consequences of sin would just disappear, but it doesn't. Yeah, just listen, I'll pay whatever you ask. We've seen rape and deceit by Shechem and his family. Now we see deceit by Jacob's family. Does it not make sense that Jacob's family would be deceitful? Because they follow after daddy, don't they? What's Jacob's name? Tricker? He's the deceiver. So look what they say. Jacob's son answered Shechem and his father Hamer with deceit. The Bible tells us right there, that they're, they're decided that they're going to trick him, that they're going to lie to him, that they're going to get him back. But Jacob's sons answered Shechem and his father Hamer with deceit because he had defiled Dinah, their sister. They're, they're saying, look, I don't care what you offer. You already made a mistake. And as far as we're concerned, we're going to get you back. By the way, this is natural. It is natural for everyone that's in this room and somebody does something to us. It is the natural thing to get them back. You have to live supernaturally. That's what we have to do. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will pay. Never return evil with evil, return evil with good. Uh, Leave it to God. I know that's a really hard thing to do. We've taught it many times. We've talked about it. But it's really, really hard. And here, if you came to these guys right now and said, oh, don't worry about it. Let God get them back. They'd say, you're crazy. I'm not letting I'm going after these guys right now. That's the natural thing to do. You have to live supernaturally. Verse 14. They got a plan. They said to them, we cannot do this thing. To give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, that would be a disgrace to us. In a sense, that's true. In a sense, that's true. Because circumcision was the sign of the covenant. It was the relationship with the true God. And we can't marry outside. You'd say it this way. You can't marry outside your religion. They'd say, we can't marry outside of the promises of God and the truth. So we'll come up with a deal. 
on this one condition, only on this condition, basically, verse 15, will we consent to you. If you will become like us and that every male of you be circumcised, then we will give our daughters to you and we will take your daughters for ourselves and we will live with you and become one people. Now, this is the plan. Here's what we'll do. You've got to be like us. If you guys will get circumcised, we'll be like you. We'll do it. You know, you'll be like us. We'll be. Like, we'll do this, and 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 we'll we'll give you our daughters, and you can take our daughters, and and we'll take your daughters, and we'll go back and forth. But verse 17 says, "But if you will not listen to us to be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and go." Some people can say, "Well, so why, why are they saying circumcision? Why couldn't they come up with something else? I mean, why that? Well, you know, that's the sign of the covenant, and that's a particular thing that men do." And uh, they, they've got a plan behind this that maybe we hadn't thought of. We'd say, okay, so what if they're all circumcised? How is that going to, how is that deceitful? How is that trickery? What's going to happen? Well, if you remember, the circumcision was the sign of the covenant. It was not something to be used to deceive people. God had set the Jewish people apart, not to become one with another group, not to use circumcision to say, well, you be like us, and it's, it doesn't matter what you believe. If you're circumcised, that's all that matters. No. Well, they're lying because they have a plan. What should, be, what should have been done? Well, vengeance belongs to the Lord. Deceit by Jacob's son. If you are circumcised, we will intermarry with you. So what happens? Now, the words seem reasonable to Hamer and Shechem, Hamer's son. I don't know if it seemed reasonable to, would it be reasonable to you? You'd go, I, I don't think I'm going to do that just for this. I mean, right? You might say, I don't know how reasonable that is. But, you know, it says the words seem reasonable to Hamer and Shechem, Hamer's son. And you've got to remember, it's more behind this than this one woman. It's the opportunity that we can possess, we can get all these people's stuff. That's the real plan. We're going to get all these people's stuff. And so it seemed, it seemed reasonable. The young, notice verse 19. The young man did not delay to do the thing because he was delighted with Jacob's daughter. Now, he was more respected than all the household of his father. Now, he goes ahead and says, I'm going to go ahead and do this. I'll do this right now. And since I'm the most respected one, if I do it and we tell everybody else about it, everybody else will say, well, if Shechem did it, it must be the best thing to do. We'll do that. And so it seems like a good deal. He is the most respected. He's famous. He thinks he is the what? He is the prince of the land. He has a city named after him. He says, listen, if I do it, everybody else will do it. So Hamer and his son Shechem, verse 20, so Hamer and his son Shechem came to the gate of their city and spoke to the men of their city, saying, now the gate of the city, if you remember, the gate of the city, of course, you think, well, that's where you come into the city, and it's true, but at the gate of the city was where they did business. They did public businesses. It was almost like the courthouse area. It was the legal area. If you wanted to make a transaction, you'd go to the gate of the city. So what they do is they go to the gate of the city, and they call the leading men together, and they say, we got it. We got a proposition. We got a deal. Here's the deal. So Hamer and his son Shechem came to the gate of the city of their city and spoke to the men of their city, saying, These men are friendly with us. Therefore, let them live in the land and trade in it. For behold, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters in marriage and give our daughters to them. So what they're saying is, look, these people have come and, and uh, they seem to be okay. So let's, let's, let's intermarry with them. But then they have to give the condition. Only on this condition will the men consent to live with us to become one people. 
that every male among us be circumcised as they are circumcised. Once again, I don't know how reasonable that sounds to all the people, but it may be because verse 23 is the is, is the is the shin, you know the one that that makes them realize about this. This is the real motive. Will not their livestock and their property and all their animals be ours? Only let us consent to them and they will live with us. The motive. The motive. We can have their property. We can end up with all the riches they have. Now, let me ask you something. Is Jacob, uh, is, is Jacob a blessed man? Is he rich? Why? Because why? Because he's blessed. Because that's the blessing from God. That's part of the covenant. God said he'd bless him. Now, does Jacob deserve the blessing that he's got? Does any human being deserve the blessing that they get? No. But we'd look at it and say, Jacob, you could have been nicer. But he wasn't. But he has it all. And they look at it and they go, man, look at all that stuff that guy's got. Listen, will not their livestock and their property be ours and all their animals be ours? Let's consent. Only let's consent to them and they will live with us. Let's do this. So... It seemed like a good idea. Verse 24. All who went out of the gate of the city listened to Hamer and to his son Shechem, and every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of his city. Dinah is still at Shechem's house. And as we continue to see this, I think there are two things about sin, about how it affects and how it progresses. Notice, it affects others and it progresses. It affects others because it's now... Shechem and Dinah and Jacob and Hamor and the eleven brothers, and now an entire city is affected by what's happened. And it progresses because it started with a rape and then lying. And before we're through, it's going to be horrible. I'm going to stop, but I want to read the next verse because we'll see this next week. But the next verse is what happened. Notice. Now, it came about on the third day when they were in pain. The men had all got circumcised, and they couldn't move around very well, and they were in great pain. And so they waited till the third day when the pain is pretty intense. Two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each took his sword and came upon the city unawares. They snuck in, and they killed every man there you think that was a right thing to do why did they do it it's vengeance they said we got a plan we're going to get them all sore we're going to get them where they can't fight see we can kill them all if they can't fight so we're going to go kill them all and that's exactly what they did we're going to see this next time what jacob's sons do we see it's powerful and it's evil and we see how this fits together there's just so much there well we've seen jacob comes to shechem to worship we see the rape of dinah he wants to marry her we see the whole lie and the circumcision we see that there's no remorse at all out of hamor and or shechem and we see what the brothers do and how they've got a deceitful plan as well let me give you an application and that is a couple of applications the first is we see the depravity of man i mean it's true we're all sinful the when we, we look at this passage we see what people do to each other i mean when, when you when you think of slavery when you think of the holocaust when you think of some things that's going on in our world we we almost find it inconceivable that human beings would do certain things to other human beings you can't you can't you can't imagine that if you've ever read the things of the holocaust and what happened to those people in those camps you'd say how could any human being do that to another person how could you do that 
put somebody in the wrong place at the wrong time will do anything. Our only hope is Jesus Christ. All of us have sinned. We need a Savior. None of us are good enough. Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. Somebody said that the cross of God or the cross of Jesus Christ is God's compass pointing to heaven. Oswald Chambers said this. He said, you know, it's, it's, it's not my goodness that puts me right with God. It's not my human logic, but it is the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ and my faith in him. There's no other name under heaven by which we might be saved except the name Jesus Christ. Listen, realize the depravity of men and that we, we need a Savior. But the second thing I think about is realize the effects of sin in our lives. They're, they're, it's always negative and destructive. It's always negative. Listen, it doesn't matter. When we think it's just a little thing, it's just a little thing, it's just a bad thought, it's just this, it's nobody else will know I did this, nobody else will know I looked at this. It, 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 there are no little sins to a holy God. Think about, think about this, first of all. It breaks fellowship with God and others. When you have, you have sin in your life, you've broken fellowship with God and you break fellowship with fellow believers. You cannot be in fellowship with believers if you're out of fellowship with God. It doesn't work. So it breaks fellowship. Second, it affects not just ourselves but others. I mean, think about it. We never sin in a vacuum. We never sin in a vacuum. I wish, I wish we could get that. I wish I could get it. I wish we could all get it. I wish we could say, listen, I don't want to sin because it's not going to just be me. In this passage, Jacob, the family, Hamor, his family, an entire city, all will be affected before it's over. If you think it ends with just all the men being killed, that's not how this passage ends. You want to read ahead, you can read ahead, but before it's over, it's worse than that. The third thing is it often progresses. Do you understand why the Old Testament law said eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth? You, it seems like you say, that's bad. You, you, you knock out my tooth, so I get to knock out your tooth. You say, well, maybe, maybe that's not the way to do it. Well, see, let me, here's what the real way happens. If somebody knocks out your tooth, you know what you do? You knock out a bunch of their teeth, and they break your arm, you kill them. See, sin always progresses. It's never equal. If somebody does this, they set fire to this house, we're going to go set fire to their whole city. You set fire to this city, we're going to go kill, kill ten men. You kill ten of our men, we're going to go kill a hundred of your men. You kill a hundred of our men, we're going to blow you all to pieces. That's why the law said, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, a law limited retribution. If you hit somebody, all they could do back was hit you. They could not go beyond what you did to them. Because see, sin progresses. It's never just, okay, you did this to me, I did this to you. No, you did this to me, I'm going to do something worse back to you because I'm not going to let you get away with this. Well, I'm going to do it back to you. That's why the law said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. The fourth thing is always results in the loss of testimony. When we sin, we lose our testimony. And when we have sin in our lives and people won't listen to us, they, they reject our message. Albert Barnes said, By our lifestyle we may do far more to disgrace our Savior and message. Our life and conduct are involved, not just our verbal profession. It's true. What do we do? Well, what do we do when we sin? Well, we confess our sins. We confess that he's faithful and just to forgive us. Get back in the fellowship with God. We consider others, how, how that it affects other people when we sin. And we don't retaliate. We leave vengeance to the Lord. Don't let it be progressive. And you live by the word and you'll maintain your testimony. This is a sad passage. And the truth is we're not through with it yet. Maybe I should have done the whole passage tonight. That way we'd be through at least get into chapter 35. But it's past time. May we turn to Jesus Christ.
as our only hope, realizing the destructiveness of sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these truths. Thank you for the what we see there. And Lord, we know it's a terrible passage, and we watch how, how there seems to be no remorse. There's a rape and no remorse, and you do this, and deep down we just want to get your land. And, and we see the guy who says, well, well, we'll trick them and kill them, and that's the whole plan. And before it's all over, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that in Jesus Christ we can be changed people. We can be different from the inside out. We know we'll still have the capacity to sin, but but uh, we are new creations in Christ, and we can live righteously and godly in this present age, and we can uh, live for you. So, Lord, we just ask you that as we look at this, we realize these things about sin and how dangerous it is. Now, it's never in a vacuum, and it affects others, and it progressive, and it affects our testimony. So, Lord, may we may we have victory as we seek to live for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Any questions, comments, input, anything before we stop? Happy passage. Right? I'll be thankful when we get to chapter 35. It's a lot better. Yes, yes. We'd want to we'd want to kill them. Yes, I would. Is that not true? If somebody raped your daughter or your your child or or some, your your wife or some, wouldn't you want to kill them? What's the thoughts here? Yeah, I mean that's what we think. But here's what we'd have to do. We'd have to do in our in where we are now. If something like that happened, the Bible says obey the laws of the government. We would immediately seek that these people would be arrested and possibly put to death for what they did. We would not personally get the vengeance that's the difference vengeance is mine says the lord we obey the laws of the government the government says when people do these kind of things that they go to jail and sometimes they're put to death so that's what we would seek full force of the law because uh, that's what romans 13 says the whole law is to protect us that's what the law is given is that the law is for our protection so that's how we'd have to do it i think what the bible talks about is 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 when it says don't get vengeance it doesn't mean we go oh that doesn't matter they did wrong, but let them go. No, no, no. We don't get the personal vengeance. We don't go kill them. We're not supposed to. But we allow our government and our officials who are supposed to deal with these kind of things to take care of them. I think our first impulse would be to take the law into our own hands. But we, we're not supposed to do that. But you see what they did. Well, I'd probably beat the dog. Wouldn't we try to beat the dog out of him while we had him in our hands? I mean, I really want Whoops. Excuse me. Whoops. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I, I got a flitch in my arm, and I, I couldn't help it. I would say if you actually caught them, tie them up and get the police to them as quickly as possible. Before you get to them. That's right. I, I, we're talking about the hardest things we do. I mean, this is this was a horrible thing. It's amazing to me that 
when Shechem showed up, that the brothers didn't jump on him and kill him right then. Of course, he may have brought, it doesn't tell us all, he may have brought a bunch of people with him. I mean, he is the king of the land, he's the prince of the land. He may have brought some other people, it may not just been two folks. You know, they probably brought their entourage when they came to see Jacob. So it may not have been as easy, but uh, uh, maybe the maybe the, the guys thought, okay, we, we can't get him right this second, but we're going to get him eventually. Uh, it, uh, it, as I said, the only way we can live this would have to be supernatural, have to be supernatural. Any more easy questions? <laughs> Okay, all right. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, help us, Lord, to think through this. We know how difficult it is and what it all means and how all this happens. Lord, we just pray that we will, first of all, that we never experience anything like that. We pray that we just trust you and live lives and you uh, use us for your glory and all of that. We just pray that no matter what, we will always obey the Scripture. Um, No matter how we feel, we will obey the Scripture. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.